sociologist Emile Durkheim talks about that he's well, hundred years ago talked about this idea of dynamic density that when people come together there's an energy a synergy that begins to develop that is different when you're alone um, and so I just found that in a way that I had not experienced it this is a show where we'll explore what it means to retire with purpose to make a difference, to invest in your family, your community, to live to your full potential and explore abundant opportunities to live with purpose and community. From Garden Spot Communities in New Holland, Pennsylvania, welcome to Purpose in Retirement. Hello, I'm Scott Miller, the Chief Marketing Officer at Garden Spot Communities. And I'm Juanita Fox, the storyteller. In this season of Purpose in Retirement, we're talking with experts who are sharing ways that our perspective on retirement can improve the quality of our lives and help us to live with purpose and community. In this episode, we speak with Steve Lindsay, the CEO of Garden Spot Communities, and Dr. Conrad Kanegi, professor of sociology at Elizabethtown College. Earlier this year, a group of team members and residents participated in a wisdom course led by Conrad. So over the course of eight months, we engaged in a process where we wrote our life stories, you know, with the intent of harvesting the learning and the wisdom of our life experiences. The idea was that we would share those learnings with others, especially younger generations when opportunities might arise. So in this case, we were paired with first year college students at Elizabethtown College um, and exchanged life stories. The outcomes of the relationships with the students was far exceeded our expectations. And it was actually, it was a pretty extraordinary experience. It really was. Scott and I both participated in the course. It was a mix of lecture, one-on-one -on -one conversations, group discussions, and writing. Conrad really challenged us to go deeper than surface-level stories, to examine the pain and difficulties we faced, and how those experiences shaped who we are today. And most importantly, to share that information with someone else, so that we would have practice in speaking into the lives of others. So in just a moment, we're going to speak with both uh, Steve and Conrad. Steve, you talk a lot about wisdom and elderhood. What was the experience that was the seed for the wisdom course at Garden Spot Village? Mm, great question. Um, you know, for, for us, one of the things that we really appreciate is this idea of the slow hunch, uh, because a lot of important ideas have long incubation periods. And so what happens is you have these different fragments of an idea that come together over the course of time and, and prove to create something fairly interesting. And I think that was the case with this wisdom course. Uh, it started for me, uh, uh, oh, a number of years back when I would have conversations with people and, um, and, and you would often hear the same response when they were talking about older people talking about young people, this idea that, well, nobody ever listens to me. Nobody wants to know what I have to say. And I would ask them, well, if you had something, I mean, you know, if somebody asked you that, what would you have to say? What would you tell them? And the response was often, well, I don't know. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear it anyway, kind of thing. And, uh, and so that, that idea of, well, if we have that opportunity, if we have that moment when somebody really wants to know what we have to say about life in general, what would we have to say? What's the wisdom that we've accumulated? A number of years later, I was, um, uh, had an opportunity to participate in a, a strategic planning session with Mennonite Central Committee. And uh, at that session, I was at a table and there was a fellow named 
Harley Eagle who was there and he was a member of the Dakota Nation and he did restorative justice work with First Nations people. And uh, so I had always been interested in the way indigenous peoples hold their elders in high esteem. And so I would just pepper Harley every time we had a break, every time we had meals, I would pepper Harley with questions. You know, what is it about your culture and how does this work and, and how do you think about that? And at one point he stopped me and it was one of those light bulb moments. And he said, you know, Steve, he said, not all of our older people are elders. A lot of our, uh, our people just get old and cranky in our culture the same way they do in yours. Those are not the elders. The elders are the ones who have taken the time to harvest the wisdom of their lives, who've taken the time to learn the stories of our people, and then also take the time to share that with younger generations. Uh, and so that was one of those moments that just kind of stuck with me. And, and I started thinking about, well, what would look like if we had an opportunity to shape that process, to begin to think about how do we harvest the wisdom of our lives? How do we learn our stories and, and learn how to share those more effectively? And then how do we become engaged in sharing that with younger people? Um, and so that was, that was an important part. And then another piece of the puzzle that really kind of came together for, for us was around the, the Stanford Center for Longevity, a white paper that they had developed a couple of years ago. And, uh, and one of the things in that white paper that really jumped out was the fact that at the beginning of the 20th century, the United States was one of the most age-integrated cultures in the world. But by the end of the 20th century, we were one of the most age-segregated. We just don't have opportunities for engagement across generational barriers, across generational divides. And so we started thinking about how could we bring that all together into something, some format, some structured program that would give us that opportunity to, to create a pathway uh, for people to go forward. So that was, all of that was kind of the genesis. And then we met Conrad and it all came together. <clears throat> and, you know, as you were talking through that, Steve, you and I have been talking about this for a long time as well. We had a couple of false starts to to get the, the, the program going. And then, um, Conrad, you had been talking to us about some of your podcasts and those types of things. And you and Steve and I got together. Um, and, you know, Steve sort of went through just what he did now for you on the, the wisdom course. Um, and we were curious if you would be willing to, you know, help to lead that and put together a curriculum. And so I'm just kind of curious, you know, what were your thoughts coming out of, you know, the discussion about this up front? You know, this began for me um, in really 2017 when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, I was struggling to, before I was even diagnosed, I kept thinking about turning 50. I was 49 and um, I, didn't want, I did not want to turn 50 for whatever reason and maybe there was some premonition there. But I read a book by uh, Barbara Bradley Haggerty entitled Life Reimagined, The Science, Art and Opportunity at midlife, and it was it was tremendously inspiring to me that winter before I was diagnosed, um, because she talks about this thing called regeneration, this idea that when we give the best of ourselves to others, um, not just volunteering for things, although that's important, not just keeping up with reading, although that's important, but that cognitively and physiologically, the brain responds to this idea that we give out of ourselves the very best that we have honed and developed and the wisdom we've gained 
to others. When that is poured into other people, um, we things happen to us. There's there's even brain cells uh, that uh, that begin to grow. I mean, it's it's amazing what happens. Um, dopamine production, serotonin, and all of that. And so, when I was diagnosed a few months later, um, and after I got over that initial year of really being quite angry um, at God about all of this, I began to think about how do I, as a faculty member at a school with 18 to 21 year olds who I love to teach, begin to bring to them this experience that I've had. And that's when I started uh, several podcasts, The Church Dismantled a Kingdom Restored, in which I shared my experience, but then turned towards a sponsored podcast and called Life um, Growing Old at Midlife. Um, which sounds kind of like a downer, except I had just had read this book and was so aware that there was so much to be gained at midlife and beyond if one committed oneself to this kind of regeneration process. And so when I began to talk with you, uh, Steve and Scott, about the possibility of Garden Spot Village being a partner in this, um, and you agreed, uh, it eventually led to the development of this course that you invited me to lead but then connected with my own course that I was developing with students, first year students at Elizabethtown College, in which I was uh, looking for them to gain and understand my experience, the aging experience of others and how they could apply it to their own lives. And so it was really this, uh, I think we would agree, this providential uh, divine kind of coming together intersection of both your interests and goals over five years and, and mine as well. Conrad, what did you know about Garden Spot Village at that point? I knew nothing. Um, <laughs> I really knew nothing except that I knew that you had a good catering service, that I, when I came there for breakfast for workshops, I felt uh, I enjoyed the, the food and the environment. But I knew nothing, uh, Juanita. As you began to know Garden Spot Village through this piloting process, what did you begin to appreciate? As a pastor uh, for 16 years, I had visited many, many folks in retirement communities. I had never visited anyone at Garden Spot Village. And I began to develop a kind of impression of what retirement communities were, not to mention that as a young person, I had worked in a retirement community as an orderly or an aide. And um, when I came to Garden Spot Village as part of this project, um, I quickly began to see the community as a learning community where regeneration was already happening. Um, it felt to me like a college campus. It felt to me like, um, and I had known of some of the learning opportunities that were being uh, offered through uh, through the through the village, but I, I hadn't really participated in many of them and didn't understand how deeply they were connected to the community. It felt to me like maybe they were an add-on or um, you know, I, PR kinds of events. I came to quickly realize that they were very much integrated into the life of the community, um, who, what the vision of the leaders of this community were to make it a place where people came to, in fact, um, I not to um, leave their best life behind, but in fact, in some ways to, to live their best life yet um, by building on what they had experienced in the past. And by doing that in a community where others were coming for the same purpose and um, sociologist Emile Durkheim talks about that he's 100 years ago talked about this idea of dynamic density that when people come together there's an energy a synergy that begins to develop that is different when you're alone um, and so I just found that in a way that I had not experienced it quite honestly at other retirement communities 
Um, and uh, it's it's everywhere. It's from the open spaces that you walk into. Um, it's from the community that you see where people are gathered around this in the spaces. It's from the um, educational opportunities that are offered. So I just came to really appreciate and value what you were doing at Garden Spot Village and saw it as very unique. Thank you. Steve, can you describe the wisdom course? Who was chosen for the pilot? What was the goal? As we got together as a group and began working through, it was really this exchange of ideas and this uh, group dynamic that, that really made it work. Uh, it, it was a, a somewhat structured, it was developed to be a somewhat structured process for us to begin to think about our story. Uh, but not just the narrative, it was an opportunity to sift through all of the different stories that we accumulate in the course of our life's journey to sift through those and, and to begin to draw out some of the wisdom, some of the, the, uh, the life lessons that, that we have accumulated over the course of time. And I think what we discovered is there's a lot of that that lies under the surface. And unless you really do the work, unless you really do the life review and dig into it intentionally, it's, it's hard to surface that. You know, it, it's, it's there but we don't always draw it forward and we don't always uh, distill it so that we can begin to share it. So the course itself was really that group of people coming together, an opportunity to, uh, to think, to uh, reflect, to do your life review work, but then to share as well with others in the group. And also a process of deep listening where we were encouraged by Conrad to listen to other people's stories. And there was a dynamic that occurred in the midst of that where as you heard someone else's story, it would trigger a memory of your own. And so you'd make some notes and come back to that later on. So it just sort of built uh, through the process and gave people an opportunity to really draw out those life lessons, to draw out the, that that learning that we can begin to share with other people. So that kind of is the process, at least from my perspective, the process that we worked with. And then the folks who were involved in that, um, it was really just a group of people that we tapped on the shoulder that we might have interest in, in this grand experiment uh, in exploring this topic together. And, and so we tapped a group of people on the shoulder and said, come, come, let's put it together, let's collaborate, let's co-create a process that we can then share in the future with, with other groups um, as we go forward. And the goal really was essentially that, to create a process, uh, to create a pathway for people to begin to harvest the wisdom of their lives as a step towards becoming an elder. You know, Steve, when you and I first met with Conrad, we were in the village square and, you know, Conrad came over for a coffee and we sat down and we talked. And um, after that meeting, you and I were both pretty positive, but I'm just curious to know, um, what were your thoughts? Like, why did you want to engage with, you know, Dr. Carnegie to, uh, to come over and help lead this? Yeah, it's always interesting. Um, Conrad mentioned those serendipitous moments when, you know, we got together and our, our conversation, our topic was supposed to be on something completely different, but we were led into this conversation 
you know, about elderhood and about wisdom and about how we think about those issues in our culture and intergenerational connectedness and all those kind of things. And something in the midst of that just kind of sparked uh, and it just kind of came together. And I, as we were, you know, talking about that, we, we realized that we were kind of kindred spirits uh, in, in this journey together. And so Conrad, you know, his background, his experience, his education as a sociologist, he certainly understands the impact on community when we experience separation, when we experience division or disconnect of any type. And in this case, uh, generational separation and, and how that has affected us as a culture. But then he has this ability to make that personal, to be able to uh, connect people with that larger dynamic in a way that, that really uh, begins to challenge us to think and to work through issues and to begin uh, to do the work uh, that, that we need to do uh, as, as we uh, reach the season of life which we find ourselves. And so, you know, I think it was that, that opportunity to kind of dream together and vision together sitting around that table. And, and we confessed, uh, you mentioned this, Scott, we confessed that we had thought about this for a little while and we just didn't know how to get it started. We, we, not. we are not good <laughs> at writing curriculum. And Conrad said, well, that's right in my wheelhouse. You know, that, that's what I do every day. And so we said, all right, let's do this. Uh, so it really was that combination of passion and giftedness and, and access to young people that Conrad brought to the table uh, that really was the spark that made it all work. Yeah, and, and Conrad, I know I think that after, the, after that meeting, you had gone away pretty positive as well and um, started to think about the course and what the structure might be. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, as you thought about that structure, you know, what was your thinking process and, uh, and why behind what you did with the class and the curriculum? When I had my first intro uh, course in sociology, I began intentionally with students writing what I called their socio-autobiography, which is looking at the story of their first 18 or 19 years through the lens of what I call the sociological imagination, which is uh, a, an idea that means every life is unique and individual, but we are all, all um, reflect, reflections of and consequences of the macro level worlds that we live in. Um, Berg, Peter Berger talks about, you know, we are, it's like being set upon by society, the society sits on us. Um, and so helping students, because they come in thinking, well, I'm just an individual, everything I've done is uh, because I've tried, I've worked really hard. They don't talk about the fact that where they failed is also their fault, but just, to, you know, they've been successful, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. And I work really hard in that intro course to help them to understand that though who you are has been shaped by so many other people. In fact, there are a lot more constraints on your life than you have any idea. And so it had been 30 years of working with that and actually having them read Frederick Buechner's book, The Secret Sacred Journey, which uh, I had read just the summer before and which we used in the course that so impacted um, the way I developed that, uh, that course. But I also then began to have them write about someone in their family tree who was 55 years of age or older. Um, and to begin to describe the, the socialization process of that individual growing up alongside their own, and to begin to do some comparative analysis between a grandfather, a great-grandmother, an aunt and uncle, and their life as a young person and the student's life. 
because the comparative perspective really allows us, and I would say it becomes part of the power of what happened later in this course that we developed together. The comparative perspective allows one to step back from oneself and to really see differently um, who one is relative to others and to the broader world. And until we take a comparative perspective, we, it's very hard for us to see beyond ourselves. So um, I was excited about the possibility of, of trying to apply some of what I had kind of worked on for a long time with 18-year-olds to those who were 65 and older or whatever it was. Um, and so that was what energized me in part because I thought it could work, um, but I didn't know what, what would lie ahead. Conrad, one of the things that turned out to be really incredibly powerful um, from a participant perspective was the, the relationships that were built between, you know, um, the, you know, those of us at Garden Spot and, and the first year students from Elizabethtown. Um, so two questions. Um, so like, why did you choose to include your students in our journey, in our wisdom course? And then secondly, um, you know, what was their experience? Three years ago, I had developed a course on aging and wisdom and regeneration with uh, Tamara, Dr. Tamara Humbert, who's a colleague of mine in occupational therapy. And we developed this as a course and it had nine students, I think mostly first year. And I wasn't sure they would ever run, that anyone would sign up. And what I experienced was just uh, what we experienced here uh, earlier this later earlier this year is um, students wanted to engage with uh, folks who were elderly and disabled. Um, or struggling with their health. So I took them to Rocksteady Boxing for Parkinson's folks like myself. I took them to, we went to the senior center in Elizabethtown and and I just found that they discovered the, the humanity of these older folks in a way that I had not anticipated. It gave me a sense of the depth of the, of the souls of the students that I had missed seeing for so long. And of course the elderly folks loved it. Um, and they loved feeling like they were being validated. I had a friend there who has dementia. It was on the early onset, and he loved coming to class uh, from the local community and telling his story and gave him a sense that he was kind of an expert on dementia and Alzheimer's, even as he had lived this kind of tragedy of, of going through the early stages. Um, so I, I knew that it could work. I had seen it work. And my colleague Tamara was not able to teach the course with me this time. So as first year faculty or faculty teach first year students, we're allowed to create our own course of something we're interested in. And so I decided to create it on aging. I was already leading the course at Garden Spot. And so I put in part of the component was including the student and residents of Garden Spot and staff interaction as part of the, um, as part of the, the course, but I really did it thinking that, oh, what's going to be interesting about this is going to be the students are going to learn the stories of these residents and they'll learn some wisdom from that. Conrad, what we, what do you think is some of the most valuable pieces of that intergenerational connection between the folks at Garden Spot and the students at Etown College? It was that the students at the college learned the objective facts to some degree, although all of our lives are subjectively seen and described by ourselves, but they, they learned the facts of the, the residents' lives, their work life, their family life, their religious life. They learned what we call the social facts, but it was not the social facts so much of their biographies that impacted them. It was how the residents began to describe what they learned from those experiences. 
And it was those experiences and what they learned that the students heard that impacted them so deeply. But it was also within that, the relationships that were built. And so it was the learning of the wisdom that the residents began to articulate. And I, I think when we started the course at Garden Spot, it was hard. I, I found it hard for residents to have confidence to say, this is some of what I learned about my life. I mean, I think that's not easy for us necessarily. There's something about sounds arrogant or it sounds like I'm putting myself forward. Um, but what we miss when we don't do that is the opportunity for others to grow and to learn and be nurtured uh, and to become more human. We, in sociology, we say that the self is discovered by relationships with others. Um, and without those relationships, we don't know who we are. And so I think one of the advantages of this process was that we were able to work together with the Garden Spot residents for a few months so that they became comfortable, became comfortable talking about their story and what they had learned from that story so that by the time they met the students, some of the students' first questions were things like, are you afraid to die? Um, you know, well, had we not had some time, I think, to reflect on that, um, those kinds of questions, it may not have worked so well. But the students, I would just say one of the greatest impacts for them from the relationships and the stories they heard and the wisdom they gained was just a lowering of anxiety. Um, as I have said and told to the residents uh, before we met the students, this is a very anxious generation. Anxiety, depression, mental health levels are extremely high across the country. They've come through some of the hardest years that I think any cohort, young cohort has faced in probably since World War II. And they just don't know if there's a future. And they're trying to do what's next. They're trying to go through the motions. But what they heard were, was the assurance, and I heard this over and over again in their presentations, the assurance that things will be okay, that they will find the resources they need from others, from within themselves, from God, to get through the next steps. I heard things like, if I drop out of college, it's still going to be okay. I'll be able to get a job. Or I don't have to be anxious about, as I said, about dying. Or I don't have to be anxious about a, someone I love passing away because I will I will find within me and with the community and with God what I need to get through that. And as I listened to that last interaction between the residents and the students at Elizabethtown College, I was so impressed with how the many of the residents talked about the value of faith and spirituality, in particular Christian faith, in their lives and were able to talk to my students in a way that was really free. Um, because it was just part of their story. They weren't there to convert or proselytize. They were just saying, I'm an engineer. I was married to so-and-so. And when I faced struggles, the church and Christ helped me get through that. And I just, I love that. I mean, as someone who cares deeply about the spiritual lives of my students, I just was amazed at what seemed to me like a gift from God that these folks felt so free and my students so free to receive what they shared. So I just, I felt just a lowering of anxiety in a way that I don't think they will experience in any other similar way in their four years. Switch gears a little bit. Steve, what was your personal experience um, participating in this wisdom course? Yeah, one of the things that's always um, kind of struck me is, is how, even though we're all people, we're wired really differently. 
And um, I remember years ago going golfing uh, with a group of friends and um, we would finish 18 holes of golf and we would uh, sit down afterwards and they would recount hole by hole each shot they hit and where the ball went and how it landed and all this kind of detail. And I remember being on the course and having a good time, but that was about the extent of it. And for me, kind of looking back at, at my life, that was kind of it. Things are a little fuzzy. I, you know, um, I remembered some things, but there was a lot that, that I just didn't have memory of. One of the interesting things I found through this process, through the, again, the group dynamic, uh, was that I began to remember things that I hadn't remembered in a long, long time. Um, and as I remembered those, I was able to kind of fit those in to the story and, and create a, a cohesive narrative out of that uh, that I, I had never done before. Um, and so I, I found that process to be generative. I found it to be a very collaborative and I found it to be uh, really, really helpful just sitting with other people. At the same time, I was listening to their story and getting to know them and just really admiring these people for um, you know, the, the lives that they have lived and the things that they have accomplished and what they have been through and um, the depth of their souls and spirits as they have walked through uh, their life uh, pathway. Um, I, I really began to see my own story more clearly, uh, which I found to be incredibly helpful. And it wasn't just a, an accumulation of a group of vignettes, but it really began to come together as this journey that God had seen me through that, that shaped uh, who I am and, and it shaped my life story and the wisdom that I have accumulated over, over the years and allowed me to see God's hand in my life in ways that I hadn't seen before. And so I found all that just incredibly helpful personally. Um, and then beyond that, I, I think it's fair to say that men tend to see their purpose in their occupation. Uh, and so I, I think this process helped me to begin to think differently about what I have to contribute to the world around me. You've touched on it a little bit, but what is the transformation that you've seen in yourself um, and in those around you, Steve? Well, I, I think that as we have given voice to our own stories, it's, it's not really just a story of personal transformation, but it's, it's really a story of development of community. As we met week after week, it wasn't just our own individual silos that we were growing in, but we were growing as a group. We were growing as a new community. There was this connectedness uh, that, that we shared with one another. Um, and so I, I think it's true that to, to share your story honestly with other people takes a degree of humility uh, to be able to, um, to talk about your struggles as well as your successes, your failures as well as your victories. All of those kind of things uh, can be challenging at times, it can be hard at times, but it can be deeply rewarding. And I, I think that process helps to deepen our soul, it helps to soften our spirit, which I think is an important part of aging. Um, Conrad, as, as you sort of think about the course, um, what are those, you know, one or two things that, that you learned on this journey or, you know, that, um, that came out of it for you? I feel so deeply about this um, and, and even a bit emotional as we talk about it, just the absolute sacredness of every one of our stories. 
And by sacred, you know, for me, and I tell my students this, I mean that theologically. I mean that I believe God created us in God's image, that um, Isaiah says, you know, his God's word will not go out void, but will return. And I think of that as our lives. When I dedicated little children, I always thought about them going out and returning with whatever God had given to them. And so I work with students who so often do not see themselves as unique or sacred. And so whether they believe in God or not, I still say to them, I believe that you were created with purpose and with the with the imprint of God upon you. And that the world is looking for people with passion. And if you develop passion for whatever your calling is, the world will have a place for you. But I find that students come to me so focused on, I've got to be a good athlete. I've got to be a good musician. I've got to get the right grades. And aside from that, they haven't done often a lot of reflection about what's really in their soul. And so you go through life, as Steve said, if you're a man in particular, but I think women often too, trying to just do, trying to validate your existence in the world by what you produce. And then you get to retirement and suddenly you're not producing in the same kind of way and you're not sure that your life has much value. And so part of the joy for me in this experience was helping older folks who have, who really, some of them came with that, um, not sure of what value they had, because some of them would say, well, I shared my story with my family and they're not interested. My kids aren't interested. I'm not sure anybody cares about my story. And, you know, the, 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 the problem, I think, for all of us, regardless of what age we are, is that if we do not see our lives as sacred, we will not live sacred lives. That is, we will live lives that are not intentional, lives that are not carefully reflected upon, and then we will grow old to live with regrets. And so I don't think, and so often we blame people for the choices they made, but I think we don't nurture within young people and children this sense, or and often enough, the sense that you are a gift to the world. And I don't mean that in a narcissistic way because as this generation struggles with that also. Um, but that comes more from, I think, lack of attention, attention to their sacredness and more focus on what they produce. Um, can you get straight A's? Can you get to preschool more quickly than anyone else or to kindergarten, whatever? Um, and so then they begin to really focus on themselves. So for me, the, the passion for me is can, regardless of age, folks see themselves as say, their lives as sacred with something to contribute to the world. And I love identifying, as I hear people's stories, things that I will then say to them, I hope you don't take that for granted about yourself. Because many people are not that way, don't reflect that way, don't think that way, would not have done that, would not have the courage to do that. And I see myself as really trying to bring out of my students and now out of these residents, this awareness of the gift that they are imprinted with God's image uh, upon them. I think the other one final piece for me in this that I learned was just how we have segregated young from old. And so we have a college campus that looks kind of like garden spot and a garden spot that looks kind of like a college campus. But 18-year-olds aren't a garden spot and 65-year-olds, unless they're faculty, are not at the college. And so we 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 grow up young and old, um, or we get old and we get you know, without connections. So what I've loved about you all at Garden Spot is the willingness to take some risks and saying, 
let's connect because I, I contacted another residential community and asked, could we do this? And, you know, as I said to you earlier, they, they said, well, we have to check with our attorney. Well, I never heard anything like that from Garden Spot. It was like open arms. Let's try this. Let's work at this. And so that has been such a gift to me because I think when we start down the road to God leads us in, God will work out the details. Yeah, absolutely. And it has been an incredible journey that we've been on. Steve, what do you see as our next steps and where do you see us five years from now? One of the things I think that's true is that we are radical individualists who live in the most radically individualistic culture the world has ever known. And we've lost our sense of interdependence. And so out of this process, I would love it if we started to bring generations back together, if we started to bring people back together, if we started to create community in a, a depth of community that we have been lacking for years and years, uh, that if we had a program that we could share with the world around us that would begin to be utilized with churches and, and with community colleges and, and other groups where people could start to think through their life story, but then realize that they now have something to share with others, something that's meaningful, something that will make an impact. And then they reach into the lives of other people. Again, not from that self-centered, I have something to tell you perspective, but let's journey through life together and let me share what I have with you. But then also let me have the humility to think and to know that I can learn something from you as well. And if I, I think if we can create those, those learning communities that just evolve naturally uh, out of different pockets of society, that we can really create the beginning of a transformation where our country in the future begins to heal a little bit. Some of those issues around anxiety and depression and mental illness that Conrad talked about, I think some of this is part of the answer to that. Uh, of, of being in community together, of, of realizing you're not alone in this journey called life. And we can learn from those who have traveled before us. And as those who have traveled that path, we have something to share and to give back. And that's our impact. It's not how much money we made. It's not our philanthropic efforts uh, or anything like that. It's about how do we impact lives? How do we touch real people? And how do we create a sense of hope and opportunity for young people that they may not be feeling right now. As uh, we close up our podcast, we always like to, you know, give our guests the opportunity to uh, um, have final words, that final thing that they would like to say. And so Conrad, just sort of curious, is there anything else that you would like to add, say to our audiences? I was ready for this kind of work in large part because of my Parkinson's diagnosis, because it has forced me to think more in a more focused way, perhaps, about how I want to spend the rest of my life and to take account of the years in a way that I would not have. Steve, final thoughts. We talked before about, you know, it was, it was somewhat serendipitous that, that we sat down around the table and began having this conversation. Um, it, it may have been serendipitous, but I think it was also ordained by God uh, because I think the ministry and the impact and, and the way that this can truly shape lives going forward um, just has enormous opportunity. And so we offer this program as a gift uh, and, and not something that we have created necessarily, but something uh, that is generative and will continue to morph and recreate itself and develop. And our hope truly is uh, that we will be able to share this 
with others and that it'll have the same impact on the, their lives that it's had on ours as we've gone through this process. It has been great fun, it has been challenging, it has been rewarding, and uh, we would just encourage everyone who's listening to think about doing this work. Uh, it, is, it is beneficial. I'm so grateful for the opportunity of having participated in the wisdom course. I learned a lot about myself and Conrad really pushed us to explore the challenging stories of our lives and identify the wisdom that we learned. You know, I completely agree. While this wasn't the first time that I wrote my life story, Conrad pushed me in a slightly different direction this time in which I think added a lot of depth. Um, and then connecting with the college students, answering their questions and talking from my story, they indicated was extremely impactful for them. On the flip side, their stories and then listening to them reflect on my story was very life-giving for me. Plus, I had the opportunity to say to them what I might have said to myself when I was like 18 or 20 years old. So it was really meaningful. We summarized the value of gleaning wisdom from our life experiences in the PDF entitled, Using Life Experience to Gain Wisdom. The PDF lists the ways you can use the story of your life to gain wisdom. One, remember. Two, reflect. Three, write it down. Four, share it with someone else. And five, live with purpose. Hey, Scott, before we go, let's not forget our giveaway. If you contact us through our website, gardenspotcommunities.org, and mention the podcast before December 31st, 2022, um, we will enter you into a drawing for a hot air balloon ride for two. Thank you for listening to Purpose in Retirement. I'm Scott Miller. And I'm Juanita Fox. A special thanks to Steve Lindsay and Conrad Kanegi for joining us for this podcast. Wow, it's hard to believe that, you know, this is the last podcast for 2022. It has been an interesting journey. We have met so many new people. Each person shared ways that we can access resources and tools to help us better live with purpose. So we invite you to join us again in 2023 as we continue to explore the many ways that we can live with purpose. Our senior producer and host is Scott Miller. And our co-host is Juanita Fox. And our producer is Sharon Sparks.